0: What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, you know, honor your father and your mother. He started telling him. And so what's so awesome about that is Jesus was meeting him where he was. Because he addressed him, good master, what should I do to inherit? So Jesus met him where he was. And he said, you know, keep these things. He said, all those I've kept from my youth up. Jesus said, okay, then go sell all that you have and follow me. And it said that, he, and you know what's so cool about that? He didn't approach Jesus and say, hey, I'm a rich young ruler. He didn't come to Jesus and say, here's everything I have. I'm rich and I can, you know, you join yourself with me and we'll go places. So, but Jesus, discerning the man's heart, said to him, go sell all, yeah. Was it because Jesus didn't like money? No. No. Not at all. Matter of fact, when they needed to pay tax, he told Peter, he said, go fishing. Go do what you know how to do, and there'll be money in the mouth of the fish. How many of you know Peter spent his whole life fishing? Right? He worked with his dad, his whole life. He worked with his dad, so it wasn't like he just got into the fishing business. And he said, Jesus said, I'm going to use what you know how to do, but I'm going to do something you've never done before. <laughs> Come on, that's a good word right there. I'm going to use something you know how to do, but I'm going to use it in a way you've never seen before. Man, how about us yielding ourselves to the Lord that way till we go, okay, Lord, you know who I am. You know what I have, but I yield it to you to use in a way that you have never done before. Man, that's what makes life exciting. Not getting up and evaluating how good we are to determine how much he can use us. Are you with me? But looking at Him, beholding Him, we are transformed from glory to glory as we behold Him. As we see Him. And I'm convinced that as we continue to look at Him, that's when genuine repentance takes place. And again, let let me clarify what I mean by repentance. It's not a genuine beating of my breast and talking about how unworthy I am. It's not. It's, it's then that a genuine looking to Him and from me begins. And as I look from me and to Him, I become what I behold. And His life is released, not just to me, but through me. You know, I've just been, over the past couple of of weeks just been looking at back and some looking back at some of the things that um, the Lord has been saying to us in this new year and uh you know one is Philippians where it says that we forget what's behind we press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus, not looking back but pressing forward and in that as I've been looking at that some things the Lord just continued to put in my mind and, and one the other night, it was probably eleven o'clock at night. I was uh get we had gotten in the bed late and I, I just I was reading I don't even remember where I was. I think I was in Romans. And somehow there was a cross reference that cross-referenced me back to the book of Esther. So I went back to Esther and started in chapter three and read through the end. Of Esther, and it was it was just after a few days after we had had our um, leadership meeting uh, on that Saturday, our, the executive lead the leadership team uh, here at the church. We all met together and spent the day together Saturday. And uh, one of the things that the Lord just kept saying to my heart as we were as we were there is that uh, it's time. <laughs> We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so that was in my mind. And then I'm reading in Romans, and I think it was Romans, and I get referenced back to Esther. And I read this book of Esther and how... um, Everybody familiar with Esther? Uh, How Esther is called into the kingdom. She gets uh, chosen to be the new wife uh, of the king. And there's this bad dude named Haman. And, you know, I, how many of you have seen the, the movie Esther? I think Tommy Tenney put it out, but uh, One Night with a King, I think is the name of it. That's a good movie, but it doesn't do justice to the book of Esther. I'm just saying, when you read in there and you see uh, the plot of Haman and the pride of Haman and the, the tenacity of Mordecai come on, we like to preach a lot about Esther and that she's at the kingdom for such a time as this. But how about Mordecai when he said, Esther, you need to go before the king. And she said, you don't understand. I could be killed. He said, God could have raised up anybody, but he puts you there. Huh? He put you there. And he said, if you don't choose to do something for God and his people, he'll raise up somebody who will. Wow, praise God for Mordecai. Oh, Uncle Mort. That he just out of... I mean, what got him in trouble to begin with is his love for the Lord. Right? It was his love for the Lord because he wouldn't bow down and worship or, or pay homage to a man that only belonged to God. He wouldn't do it. So that was why he was in the predicament that he was in that Haman said, I'm not just going to kill Mordecai. I'm going to kill all of his people. Do you know what's so awesome about that? Is I've been just spending time with the Lord. It's in those times where there's a decision that has to be made that God comes through so miraculously. And he sends uh, someone, I mean, Esther sends someone out to Mordecai, because when he hears what's going on, when Haman gets the king to sign this decree, and Mordecai goes out to the gate, and he, he rents his clothes, and he's weeping there, and she goes, man, if they see him, they'll kill him, and she sent her serv- one of her servants, go cover him up, and Mordecai said, I won't be covered up, <laughs> come on, I mean, I'm ready, I'm thankful for Esther, but I'm ready for the Mordecais to stand up. I'm ready for... There's got to be the Esters, And as I was pressing into that, the Lord just kept saying, it's time, Todd. It's time. It's time for the church to stand up. We look at society and we see how dark society is. And what the church wants to do is they want to regress even more. And and, uh, the Lord just continues to show me that, you know, when the church goes through a season of prosperity, it always regresses in its relationship with him. It's sad. It's when the church walks in the, not just m- money, we, ever as soon as we hear prosperity, everybody starts seeing green. But when we walk in blessing, it's so easy. I, I really believe it's not in hard times you see where your walk is. It's in good times you see where your walk is. When everything's going good, who do you lean into? Into yourself and what you're able to, to do? Or do we lean into him? say law but here mordecai has this tenacity to say i am not going to just sit back and watch god's people be annihilated because of that the pride and arrogance of one person now i'm not saying we should charge washington and rent our clothes outside the gate or try to jump the gate it doesn't work some guy tried that this week i saw that didn't go too well for him. Uh, that, that's not the answer. The answer is that we behold him. And so as I was studying that, I was thinking about Esther, and I was looking at this, that Esther said, all right, declare a fast, you all of Israel, and said, for three days you fast and pray, and then on the third day I'll go in and show myself before the king. Understanding that the last woman who did something of her own volition was dead. Before the king. And that was her argument to, to Mordecai, but he could kill me. If he hasn't raised his scepter and told me to come in, he can kill me. And Mordecai was all his compassion said, AND? <laughs> Guess what, honey? You're gonna die. Either way, because don't think he said that, don't think that he won't find out you're a Jew too and you have to be killed. Just because you're in your safe hiding place with all the plush stuff doesn't mean it won't hit you. So she said, but he could, he could, kill, he could have me killed in Mordecai. I said, and? I love that. That's my version. Be out later this year. <laughs> Todd's annotated version. <laughs> Make sure you look for it in the bookstores. So Esther, that's when Esther goes, you know what? He's got a point. And you know, my thing is this. We're living in a day when it is no longer popular to be a Christian. It is, it is no longer culturally relevant to be a Christian. So what that means is, in the past generations, people, they... They equated themselves with Christians because that's, what the, that's who the good people were. <laughs> I mean, that was what society was because it was, America was, was birthed out of Judeo-Christian ethics. It was birthed with a belief in God. If you study your constitution, you'll see the only way, I mean, the, the, right, the founders of the constitution said the only way this will work is if we always honor God. As soon as we step away from God, this whole thing's going to fall apart. Hmm. <laughs> kind of looked like they knew what they were talking about, and I believe that that right now in this you know post Christian era that we live in, and that doesn't mean that there aren't any saved people. That doesn't mean the devil's winning. That just means in the culture of America, what it means is is that it's not. Cool to be a Christian anymore. And you know what's cool about that? It's kind of like that wheat and tear thing. A lot of the tears get removed because it didn't cool to be a wheat anymore. <laughs> Are you tracking with me? So what that means the real ones. You know, I, I've shared this before, but I love this illustration. It was the there was a church like this, full of people, and three guys came in, three or four guys. I'm telling the story. I tell it like I want to. They come in and in black clothes and mask, and they've got Uzis, and they make a declaration. The preacher's preaching. They said, everybody who's willing to die for the name of Jesus, stay. Everybody else, you can leave right now. If you're willing to to die for what you believe, you stay. Anybody else, you're free to go. 70% of the church left. The guys pull off their mask and say, we got rid of the hypocrites. Preach, preacher. it's just funny it's just funny but see the reality is this man if we believe this thing that jesus is messiah and he's real the only way that we please him is by faith it's not by our actions it's not how many times we attend church it's not any of that it's by faith and here's the reality of faith if it went bad real fast you know, I love what John said when, when he said people ask him all the time. I am not a big, I'm not a student of uh, eschatology. I'm not a student of end times. I'm not a student of what it looks, what it's going to look like when Jesus returns and what we're going to be doing and what that's going to look. I haven't devoted my time to that because here's what I know. No man knows the hour. And what I've been told to do is occupy till he comes. Are you with me? And John, I love how John says, you know, people ask him all the time, are we in the end times? He said, I know I'm in my end times. And that doesn't mean that he's going to die soon. What he means is this, that I am living only one life that I have. And I'm living it right now. And here's the reality. If it did all go bad in a hurry, and real persecution hit the church in America, I'm not talking about, boy, they talked about me at work because I prayed over my food. I'm not talking about, well, they're talking about canceling my favorite show because he told where he stood on the Bible. And I'm a fan of Duck Dynasty. I'm a fan. And I think he he was right. But what I'm saying is this. If it really got to the place where persecution hit America like it hits, like it is right now where John is in Africa right now, We win. I mean, if we live this life by faith and believe the truth of the Word of God, then if they take me out, I just beat you home, that's all. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just trying to be real because here's what, we've, got to bat, we've got to establish a basis of here's what I believe, not because of everything that I see is perfect, but this is what I believe because this is what the Word of God says, and here's where my stand is. It's firm in the Word of God. I won't back down or back away just because it's not popular any longer. Hmm. And as I was looking, I mean... I. I was led back to John chapter 6. I don't know. That's a probably, it's a very, very, very controversial passage of scripture because it's in there where the Pharisees thought Jesus was teaching cannibalism and he was going to be dinner. And if you'll look in the first parts of John chapter 6, in John 6, It starts, the chapter 6 starts with Jesus feeding the 4,000. And and you go from there uh, to Jesus uh, walking on the water, walking on the sea. Verse 22. So Jesus feeds the 4,000, right? He sends his disciples away and uh, he walks on the water. And then the next day, the people who are partakers of the food said dang jesus sitting here where'd he go there he is over there well let's go over there so the people go in verse 22 on the following day when the people who were standing on the sh- uh, other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered and that jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but his disciples had gone all, all away alone However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And you know what? That just jumped out at me seeking Jesus. Now, Jesus is getting ready to thin the herd. I mean, he is. He's getting ready to then the herd. But here's what's cool. Some things that really jumped out to me as I read this. One, they noticed Jesus wasn't there. <laughs> that's a good thing to know. I'm just saying. It's a good thing to know. Now, we don't have Jesus physically in his body here with us. But that's why in Romans 8, he said that my children are led by their spirit. You know, we in this day need to be so sensitive listening to the, to the voice of the Father. that We're listening that we hear Him. So when He moves, we move with Him. But if you read Hebrews, that's what the Hall of Faith is all about. God spoke, they listened, and they acted. Their actions did not make them holy or right before God. Their hearing did. Because their hearing caused them to respond by faith. We'll probably look at that a bit in a minute, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. But as I was looking at this in John chapter 6, we see that they noticed that Jesus was gone. And even though we'll see that that all of their intention wasn't exactly right, they were still seeking Jesus. And you know, here's what I love. Man, if you'll just set your heart to Jesus to gain understanding, not comprehension, there's a difference. That's what's wrong. I... Well, let me back up. (laughs) One of the things that I see in the church today is we're more about comprehension than we are understanding. Understanding is having the scriptures alive to us. Comprehension means that we understand everything about God so we can fit him in our box. And what happens is our Jesus starts looking too much like us instead of us looking like him. (laughs) That's a good word right there. So... They were seeking Jesus. And what I'm excited about is that I see that the seekers haven't left. They just look different than they have in the past. All the seekers aren't in the church. Many of the seekers are outside the church and don't know that Jesus is the answer because what they've seen is religion and not relationship with Jesus. Did you hear me? So they're not exactly sure, but they're still seeking and here's what's awesome about the lord it doesn't matter here today excuse me it doesn't matter where you are in your walk it's just that you're seeking him because he'll meet you where you are and he'll bring you where he is that's his passion that's his heart is to meet us where we are so that we can be where he is you know what he said in john 14 It is. Go read it. Not right now. He said that where I am, there you may be also. That's not just when we get to heaven. Man. Just do me this favor. As you read the Bible, read it with a heart that is fresh and pliable, a new wineskin that says, Lord, if I've been taught a tradition that says that there is something that belongs to me today that I've put off into heaven or the millennial kingdom, show me. I think you'll be shocked. There's so much that the church has put off. Well, that'll be when Jesus is ruling and reigning on the earth, or that'll be when we go to be with heaven. When he said, no, he said, when you pray, pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. That's why we have a culture of worship like we have because we're going to hollow and holy his name. And he said, the next thing he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, pray that it will be that way when I return. He said, pray to be that way right now. Right? Well, you know who the agents that bring that are? Look to your right, look to your left. It's us. But if we're consumed with looking at us and not Him, we'll never believe it could come through us. So, what is awesome is Jesus will meet us right where we are, in our wall. Because it's so easy as you begin to press into Him. Now, I'll just be honest, where, where I come from me personally, where I am, is that as I press in and the Lord begins to reveal stuff, here's how the enemy will work. Man, you've been in this thing so long, you should have already known that. You know what he wants to do? He wants to, I mean, if you go back to the soils, what he wants to do is he wants to steal that thing so that it doesn't take root on the inside of you. So what I've been saying is, probably so, but I'm here now. (laughs) I'm here now. Amen. So they were seeking him, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, do you, you ever read it like it was really happening? It's good when you do. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So he starts identifying where they are. He said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then he said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Look what Jesus said. This is profound. Jesus answered and said to him, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent, whom he sent. He said, what do we need to do to do what you did? Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't that these people had a passion just to know Jesus. One, they wanted food, and two, they wanted to do the things that he was doing. I've been there. You know the old saying, seek his heart, not his hand. There's truth to that. But but the reality, Jesus said, even if you seek in my hand and not my heart, I can meet you there. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good word. Amen. And then what we have to do when we see him that we let go of that desire just for his hand and say no Jesus you know what I really want is you. Is to know you. And he said this, if you, the this is the work of God is that you believe in and that word there in is the same one as in John 3 as you believe into him whom he sent. You position yourself in me. So why was that important? Because he said, I don't want you to see you anymore. If, if, if you're in me, when you look, what I want you to see is me. Amen. I, I shared this some time ago, but I really believe if we get more focused on us in him instead of him in us, we'll see more of him in us working out of us. And you say, what? That's a play on words. No, because we're, there was a movement that, that was... You know, Christ in me, I, I, you know, all the in him scriptures, which I believe in. Brother Hagan was amazing in teaching that. But what we get, what we can get caught up in is Christ in me instead of me in him. Because if I get, if I get caught up with me being in him, that means wherever he goes, I go with him. Not me taking him with me, it's me going with him as he goes. Huh. So when I go in the work go to work in the morning, I'm not taking Jesus with me. Jesus is is taking me to work as a missionary. That changes everything. He's not a passenger. Right? I'm in him. My identity's in him. So then I don't see my shortcomings. I see his ability, not my inability. So Jesus said to them, this is the work of God that you believe into him who sent me. Again, what does that go back to? Faith. It goes back to us believing that what God said is true and acting on it in that way so that as we press in, we've been talking about uh, Philippians 3.14, as we press toward him, what we're pressing into is seeing more of him and less of us so that we quit limiting what he can do through us. And here he said, if you want to do the work of God, believe into me. Therefore they said unto him, what sign will you perform that we may see and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, then Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did give you bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who who believes in me shall never thirst. Okay, so Jesus, they said, what do we do to do the works of God? What did he say? What is the works of God? Believe into me. Believe into me, all right? So, what Jesus established, here's where we we can miss it. Here's where the Pharisees missed it. He established that I am talking about a spiritual principle here. And then he goes into if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. But before he began that whole teaching, he, he laid the foundation of that it comes by believing in me. Are you with me? So, he laid the foundation that I'm not trying, I'm trying to get your eyes off of physical and on the spiritual. So Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2.14, I think it is, says that we don't look at the things which are seen but the things that are unseen because the things which are seen are temporal and the things which are unseen are eternal. So Jesus was getting their eyes off of the natural physical world and onto him believing that he is who God said he is, that he's the bread of life that came down from heaven. Uh, verse 36, but I said to you, you have... Uh, you have seen me, but yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and, it, and the one who comes to me I will by no, my, no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, listen to this, not to do my, my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John five nineteen, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And here he said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that, all, uh, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What has Jesus said over and over and over here? Believe in him. Believe in him. Believe in him. And as I was studying that and think, just pondering on that, I began to think about even some of the Old Testament saints, Moses, um, Abraham was 75 years old when in Genesis, end of Genesis 11, beginning of Genesis 12. He was 75 years old when the Lord came to him and he said, Abraham, I want you to leave your your family and everything and I want you to come and follow me. And Hebrew says, Abraham believed God. Romans says, Abraham believed God in what? It was accounted to him for righteousness. So God presented himself to Abraham. He said, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. And what did Abraham do? He did it. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> and what the Lord is showing me over and over and over, even here with, in John chapter 6, what he was saying is, guys, I want you to understand. I don't want you to look at this from the natural I don't want you to look at this from the physical. I don't want you to be so consumed with this natural carnal world that you can't see me. Because if you'll believe into me, the life that I have, you'll have. In John 14, 12, didn't he say, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Right? It didn't start there. It started all the way back here in John chapter 6 when he said, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven if you believe in me. See, the basis of everything we have, folks, is not, uh, not reason, it's faith. That we see the Word and that we take the Word of God and we apply it to our lives by faith. And then it's that seed that's planted in our heart. And as we plant that seed, the life of that seed is released in us and through us. I may sound like a broken record, but I'm just passionate about this thing about the, the church looking like the church and living for Him, from Him. Verse 41... Then then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then, he says, I came down from heaven? What is all of their attention on? The the natural, the carnal, fleshly world. Every bit of their attention is on, no matter, Jesus will say, all right, believe in me, and they'll go back to the what? To the natural. You know what the enemy wants to do constantly? He wants you to keep your eyes on the natural. He wants you to keep your eyes on the natural and tell you this is what's real. Not what you're believing, but this is what's real. And you know what? We have a choice. Amen. We have a choice where we set our eyes. Let me see. I want to... Because I want to get to Romans. Let me... uh all right, let's just keep... 45. Uh 45, is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. Ha, 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 Come on, you're talking about jerking the slack out of the rope. That'd be like bungee jumping with a rope, not a, j- a cord, a bungee cord. You know what I mean? Your back would be aligned. <laughs> he jaked all the way out. I mean, that's what he did. Because they, say, they, what did they come to him? You know, show us this bread. Our fathers ate. Mo- mo- they, our father ha- ate manna. And he said, "Yeah, you did. Your fathers ate ate the manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. Kind of like Mordecai, right? 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 Right?" Kind of like Mordecai when she said, yeah, but if I go and he doesn't stretch out a scepter, I could die. He said, "Anne." Jesus said, yep, y'all, they ate manna and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I'll give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Then the Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? What has he done constantly? He's tried to turn their attention from what? The natural to the spiritual. From what they can work out to what only comes by faith. But they were so set on their righteousness and what they were able to do that they were blinded to what Jesus was saying. I want you to understand we may be in the New Testament in the new covenant but it is still easy to get caught up in what in your worth instead of his. It's easy for us to get caught up in our ability instead of just offering our availability. <clears throat> the Jews okay verse 53 then Jesus said most assuredly I say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you. the manna, and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. I got to stand in that synagogue. It was pretty awesome. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Man. Jesus Jesus deals, this is his disciples, right? This isn't the world. So you see why I'm so passionate about us, the ones who are in the church who say we have relationship with the Lord, getting our attention on Him and not on us, because until we get our eyes right, the world's not going to see. Amen. Because these were the disciples talking. It wasn't the Jews. Who was mentioned in this passage? There were those who came to see the miracles. And there's the Jews. The ones who came to try to disprove who he was. Both of them have been talking up to this point. But who's talking now? The disciples. The ones who've been with him. The ones who had said they believe into him. So he spent all that time talking about, look, if you're going to do the works that I did. His disciples were there. Are you with me? When he was answering these other people, they were there. And what he was saying is, it's about believing in me. Believe into me by faith. It's about believing into me. So then, I, I don't know, I, but it's almost like Jesus got to the place where he said, you know what, they're not listening, so I'm just going to give them what they want to hear. You ever talked to somebody like that before? You ever talk to somebody and try to get them to understand what, where you were coming from, what you are trying to say, but they wouldn't hear anything that you had to say, so you just said, okay, well, just believe what you want to believe in. You ever been there? I have been there. And, and I, my annotated version, I believe that's kind of where Jesus was here. <laughs> so they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, He said to them, and, (laughs) no, he said to them, does this offend you? To who? Does this offend you? And what then if you should see the son of man ascend where he has been before, where he, where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Look, he reiterates the words that I speak to you are spirit or they are spiritual And they are life. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? So Jesus spent the whole part of this time, the first part of this time saying, I'm trying to talk to you about faith and believing into me. They were so carnally minded, they kept going back to the natural. He said, okay, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then his disciples said, man, this is a hard saying. And he said, does this offend you? He said, listen, the things that I say, they are spirit and they are life. He said, I'm giving you spiritual principles that will release the life of God on the inside of you. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. From that time, look at verse 66. Yeah, I always thought it was cool that this is John 6:66. 6, 6, 6. And we talk about the mark of the beast and the number. And I know God didn't number the Bible. God didn't put it in chapter and verse. Man did. But I just think it's pretty cool that the verse, John 6, 66 and 6, deals with the natural man, carnality. It says, from that time, many of, his, many of the Jews and Pharisees quit following him. Who? many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus, being so full of compassion like he was, said, please don't go. You know, he said, (laughs) and. No, then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? you have the words of eternal life also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ the son of the living god what did he say peter i believe this is why the lord knew what was in peter you know peter was quick to speak up peter was quick to act out act out right but god jesus knew what was in the heart of peter He's Peter's the one who declared, you, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." He said, "Well said, Peter." And on this rock—not on Peter, but on this profession, this confession that you made—I'll build my church. That I'm the Son of God. And here Peter says, "Where can we go? You're the one who has the words of, of, of eternal life. Uh, you are the Christ." We have look. He said, "We've come to believe and to know." You know what's powerful about that? That's the process. As you believe, you know. As you believe, the life of God is released. And you don't just know rationally, you know experientially. As we believe, what is that? It's by faith. As we believe by faith, the life and power of that seed of the Word of God is released in us. And we know. Amen? And we know. And he spoke to he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So here Jesus deals with this whole thing about you know. As I was studying this, I was like, man, this is yeah. and we're not going to because I didn't get it ready. Just so you know, so, I man, what a great day to take communion. I might preach on this again the last Sunday of the month, just cause it's a great great message we believe in him when we see his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us so jesus here is trying to get his disciples to see that it's not the natural it's not this flesh carnal thing and how many of us if we're honest don't raise your hand but how many of us our day is shaped by our carnality now when i say carnality i don't mean by all the sins that we do What I mean by carnality is by our focus on the flesh. Are you with me? How much of our day is shaped? And and I I shared this with our small group this past week. I was riding up the road the other one morning, and I've shared my opportunities with driving. And I was riding up the road, and uh, I was behind this person running 35 and a 50. I'm not making it up. It was that serious. It wasn't 40 or 45. It was 35 and a 50. And I felt myself pra- practicing carnality. I felt myself strengthening carnality. And I caught myself because I'm growing. And I said, you know what? I can stew and get upset and they're probably going to still drive 35 miles an hour. So I can make a decision where I'm going to set my attention. And I can just have a little more time in the car with you, Lord. And that's really what I did. And you know what? It's so cool. The road finally went to a four-lane road, and I got around them. It was a glorious day. (laughs) But I didn't just get around them. I went from our side of town, which is Gibsonville, all the way to Williams High School, and I think I got one stoplight, and I don't even think I had to stop at it. Once I got around them, and I have gone... Let me just illustrate, okay? Let me draw you a picture. If you don't hit the stoplights right, it can take you 15 minutes. I made it in five minutes. And I wasn't speeding. I was doing the speed limit, maybe a couple miles over, but not like 10 or anything like that. I made it. And and the Lord just said, all you got to do is rest. Now, you know what? He would have still been the Lord if I made it in 15 minutes. But once I set my attention on him, it didn't matter how long it took because my attention was on him. And I said, you know what, Lord? I can allow this to set my day. It was first thing in the morning. People who drive that slow shouldn't be permitted on the road till 10. (laughs) Anyway, they were there. I got the victory, I got the victory. <laughs> Come up, Mel, let's sing that. <laughs> I'm feeling sparred. <laughs> but I had a decision to make that where I was going to set my attention. Let me read this in Romans, and I'll close. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. John touched on this last week, and I touched on this in my email this week. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things... Uh, of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace wow and i shared about that at deuteronomy he said i put before you death life and death choose life right here he said that those who set Uh, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What was Jesus in John chapter uh, 6? What was it? The whole thing that he was talking about. He was trying to get their eyes in the spirit realm, not on the flesh, in the spirit realm. And here what he's saying is if you're spiritually minded, life and peace is what comes from that. Right? So he says, but the carnal mind is enmity. That literally means hatred towards God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. And that's the problem. That's the problem with sin management. What you're trying to do is trying to, in a carnal attempt to put your flesh under, and he said, your flesh can't do it. That's why it's got to (laughs) die. Okay, another day. So then, verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Did it say might not or may not? Cannot please God. So as I was looking at this, I went to my little study tool that tells me the, the tense, the verb tense, because I wanted to see, and I'm not going to butcher this one like I did the other week. I wanted to see what this word says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So this word in is not the same word that means into. It's a different Greek word. You know where I'm where I reading in John chapter 6 where he said, you believe into me? That's a different Greek word than this one. This Greek word, uh, it means this. It, it's a... A fixed position of rest, denoting uh, in a relation of rest. So when he says those, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, he's saying those who are resting in the flesh. Oh, that's good. So what does that mean? Those who find their rest in what they're able to produce can't please God. And the word are there is, uh, is a present participle, and it means a continuous or repeated action. So what is he saying? He said, those who were continuously trying to find their rest in their flesh can't please God. Man, because Hebrews 4 says there remains a rest for the children of God. And what does that rest come from? If you study that, he said they didn't enter into rest because they didn't mix faith with what they knew. So he's saying, if you want the rest of the Lord, and from his rest is where his fruit come. It's from that rest that we produce the fruit. Not in our working, but in this passage he says, so those who... So here's my annotated version. That just means my ex- explanation of the verse. That's what annotated means, in case y'all was wondering. they' don't, don't want to leave anybody behind he said those so then those who are continuously and repeatedly resting or trusting in the flesh cannot please god so what's the answer, answer then the answer it's not that god that they can't please god because he's angry with them it's because they're trusting in their ability and not in his amen look at hebrews 11 it says this: now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, for by it, faith not works, the people of old receive their commu- their commendation by faith, we understand the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what was seen what is seen was made out of the things that are are i'm sorry, so what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, and then it goes into uh By faith, by faith, by faith. But look at verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. So what is the basis of faith? Believe that God is who He said He is and that He rewards those who seek Him. Come on. That's good. That's really good. That He rewards those who seek Him. See, we've got to understand That he is. Because you know what? Whether you believe it or not, he is. He is.